Hello, hello, you alright, Bryce? Alright, Mark? Yeah, good, thanks. Sorry I'm late. The traffic was a nightmare today. No worries, did you uh, bring the milk? I did, I did get the milk. We got the uh, coffee and the water. Yeah, let's get it on the go. Let's get it on the go, indeed. Thank you very much. Have you, uh, have you done your own work? I did, I did. I, um, I found it I found it useful. I think, you know, it was the ground and exercise, wasn't it? That, that Paul Nairn had set out for us to do on the last episode, the, the, the trauma episode. Um, grounding is something I do most days anyway. Um, it's something I do regular with my clients um, because it is a really good strategy and technique to use. Uh, this one is slightly different because getting used to uh, relaxing the pelvic area, concentrating on that was a little bit, took a little bit of getting used to and um, there was parts where you'd ask us when you with our eyes closed to move them from left to right. Um, we just took again just a little bit of getting used to but like any, any new sort of skill um, takes practice but yeah no overall um, found it useful yourself yeah it's similar really Brian you know and, and as you say you, you know use those sorts of grounding techniques with clients quite often and I do use grounding techniques in my, uh, in my you know my day to day life anyway but um, it was interesting actually because I found myself using that technique that, that Paul talked us through you know about looking from, from left to right uh, I think it was six times and first of all, it was interesting because I committed to it, you know, so I was trying to do it every morning. Um, but sometimes it's that thing, isn't it? As, you, as we always say, you know, you, we work on habits and routines, don't we? And just trying to remember to do it sometimes, I felt like, oh, I've forgotten my homework today. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things, isn't it? You know, as therapists, we, um, we ask our clients to do because we know it works. We know there's evidence. It's proven that the, these techniques work. But... Um, asking somebody to go away and practice it every day, you know, twice a day sometimes, um, it, it can be quite challenging to do to to get used to adding it into your routine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as though so it it feels part of your routine. It almost feels like you don't feel your your old self, shall we say, until mm. you've done it. It's, it can take a bit of time, can't it? Yeah, I definitely felt like that with this trying to do it, like commit to it every morning. But you know, it was interesting as well for me. Something that come up was using it in situations in like you know across the week as well like sitting in traffic was a good one like today <laughs> like today <laughs> exactly like today you know sometimes I wouldn't like I wouldn't use the word road rage but it was a bit you know getting frustrated in traffic and just getting annoyed with myself really in time management and whatever you call it and uh, yeah just using that as a kind of way to just retake control of, of mm. me of my body and my muscles um, and it's funny you say about that the the pelvic area um, part of of the activity because it's unusual, isn't it? That's something that we wouldn't, you, yeah. you know, you, it's not something you'd do unless you were really kind of intentionally, you know, planning to do it. Shall we say mm-hmm. to try and relax that area of your of your body? Um, and yeah, I did find that a little bit unusual, but at the same time, I did find it was making a lot of sense as I was doing it. Do you know what I mean? So it was helpful. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Okay. Yeah, onto the we've done our own work. I feel like we're, a, we're two good boys there doing our own work. Yeah, definitely. Should we get ourselves set up? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Hello, my name's Mark. Hi, I'm Brian, and welcome to the Therapy Shed Podcast.
Hello, Brian. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's nice to see you again. And you, another week. Another week in the shed. You know, a week in the shed feels like a year. It's awesome, yeah. Oh. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I know it's a good thing. Good Coming thing. out feeling rested and refreshed. That's exactly what I was going for, Brian. Charged. It is. It is a haven, and I say this every time we. Uh, we do a podcast, but um, how you get any work done in here is beyond me. I must say because it's it's very relaxing space. It is. You know what? Sometimes I, I it's good when we do these podcasts because sometimes I forget to appreciate how relaxing of an environment it is to, mm. to work in. And um, yeah, it's good. It's, I, I like when I have people in here because I feed off the energy of mm. the different people that that come in. So how was your week, mate? I've been doing okay, thanks. Yeah, I've had a nice week. I've gotten uh, gotten myself exercising again, so I've been doing bits and pieces um, there, which felt like a bit of a, an achievement, really, just to kind of get myself put motivation back through some exercise. So, I've been lucky. I've started doing a bit of that again. Uh, looking forward to this podcast. Another very special guest coming on today. Yeah, excited. So, um, yeah, really, really excited about that. So, yeah, yeah. overall. Mustn't grumble. Good. How's your good self? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm relaxed. I'm I'm good. Busy as usual, but um, yeah, no, I'm good. Looking forward to today's podcast. Um, and I suppose on that note is um, saying hello to our our friend Nick Nick Bolle. Hello. Hi. Welcome, Nick. Hi. Welcome to the therapy show. It's lovely in here. Yeah. Yeah, it's chilled and relaxed. Yeah. Good. That's that's. That's the vibe I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. You get a lot of compliments about your shed, don't you? Mate? I am, I am. Is this basically just a marketing device for your people to visit the Haven? I would highly recommend it. I should open it. It's like do a little tour. Mm-hmm. People can come oh, and do a tour yeah. of the shed. Like it. Like That's about 30 seconds, but... <laughs> what a 30 yeah. seconds. I told you, that 30 seconds would feel like a month. I'm telling you. Yes. yes. Thank you very much for joining us today, Nick. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, doing well. A little bit nervous. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Hopefully by the end you'll feel more mm. relaxed and calm because that's what most guests and clients feel. Well, and, and ourselves as well. Yeah. I certainly, mm-hmm. my experience. Um, you know, we've shared this on earlier earlier episodes of the podcast. Feeling like, you know, you learn and you're challenged and mm-hmm. make mistakes and you, I suppose, like we do in therapy with clients, you kind of work with your anxiety you know and recognise it yeah. um, it's about being real as well isn't it it's definitely. About, you know it's, it's normal isn't it to mm. feel a little bit um, nervous sitting down and mm. with a microphone in, in front of you and yeah. you know, <laughs> knowing you're being recorded I think yeah. when I listen back and I think I've said it before but when I listen back to our first one or two episodes I can hear the nervousness in my voice um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. but the more I do it the more it just feels mm normal now so before we get into the the episode episode shall we say Mm -hmm. we have got some questions we'd like to ask you nick is that okay yeah that's fine yeah brilliant so these are questions we ask all of our guests Mm -hmm. and of course in the in the first series of the therapy shed podcast brian and i ask them to each other so are you ready yeah without further ado so we've got 10 questions uh, so, question one: What is your favourite word? Um, sparkly or sparkle. That's a nice word. That's a yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Sparkly. Yeah. yeah. Kind of makes me think. I don't know. 
jazz hands and yeah. <laughs> okay. smiles. Yeah. When you say that, I can almost see sparkles Sparkle. in front of you. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of see the word like that and kind of go. Yeah, definitely. Listening, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of Im- imagery to that word, isn't mm. it? That's yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. As soon as you said all it. positive imagery as mm. well, I would say. Yeah, yeah. All nice colours and. Okay, question two. What is your least favourite word? Um, dread. Dread. Okay. It's quite a heavy word. Mm. Makes makes me me tummy feel a bit like. Mm. Um. So and I, and I have that feeling sometimes. And when somebody says that word, I guess it maybe takes me straight to my, that tummy feeling that I have. Yeah. It sounds like dead as well. Doesn't it? Dread. Dead. Yeah. Like yeah. One syllable. Final. Yeah. Horrible. Don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. No, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, do you know what? I never thought of that word when I answered these questions. I, but that would be up there for me as one of my yeah. least favorite words. Yeah, yeah, I think like, for all the reasons you've just said, Nick, I think the sound of the word mm. is is very negative and miserable and quite fear fearsome in some ways. But it's also just a lot of negative connotations mm. to the meaning of it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, dread. Question number three, what turns you on? Um, openness, genuineness, um, intelligence. Um, yeah. Brilliant. So there's um, openness. Great answer, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All the qualities you look for in a, a good therapist, I think. Yeah. That would be one of the first things I would look for if I was going to see a therapist is that openness and genuine genuineness yeah definitely and I think that's what you know I, I, I'm hoping that I really do feel like a human being in the room rather than just a professional or somebody who's doing a job I feel like not just in this room but any room that I'm in especially when I'm in the therapy room as well mm-hmm. I want to be um want to be not the same just like a, a fellow experiencer of this life you know yeah and genuine so sometimes I you know, check in with my feelings and uh, and share that with the clients, and I'm hoping that that's useful with them. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I think it is. I mm-hmm. think it's a useful tool. I think mm-hmm. I think it can be a magic. Definitely, mm-hmm. uh, te- it's, not, it's more than a technique, isn't it? A, a magic thing to share with mm-hmm. a client. You know, acknowledging yourself and and as you say, bringing mm-hmm. that human element mm-hmm. into the room can be so powerful in Definitely. therapy. Really Definitely, can. fantastic. Okay. Question number four: What turns you off? Um, what turns me off? Um, I guess um, bitchiness, kind of conceit, um, close-mindedness, um, judgment. Yeah, just said more judgment as well. Things like that. Um, And again, I think relating that to therapy, you know, you mentioned judgments at the last sort of mm. one of the biggest things about building relationships and in, in therapy is that non-judgmental approach, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Mm. I can see how that fits into something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, just being um, with somebody who's who I, I experienced that that you know maybe um, judgments are going to go with just that one, I guess of. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Makes me itch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, like I get yeah, that. Yeah, not a nice feeling. 
definitely. Okay. Question number five. What sound or noise do you love? Um, so, yeah, well, I actually went for a walk the other, the other evening and the wind was blowing through kind of the, the corn. And I was like, lovely sound. So, like nature sounds, like wind, um, wind and rain on the window and um, birds, but not starlings. The starlings mm. are like, ah! <laughs> like tweety, tweety birds, yeah. Something about the sound, like natural sounds, yeah. sort of nature and just gentle ones as well. Because yeah. like, where, where I live, there's like a, a big group of starlings, like a load of teenagers, and they come like, yeah. <laughs> but like then you know, like the little tweety ones, little yeah, tweety bed yeah. noises, yeah. Yeah. And the rain on the window is lovely, isn't it? Especially when you're all comfy in bed. Yeah, the the way I used rain is mine when I done mine. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I love the sound of I love the sound of rain when you walk, or when you're outside. I just love the sound of the rain. Yeah. Thinking of Tina Turner now. <laughs> 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 the rain yeah. on my window. Yeah. Are you going to give us a song? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting as well. Everything that, that yourself, Nick, and you, Brian, have just named is all as you as you said, Brian. The natural elements, mm. yeah. you know, mm. can be so powerful. Brilliant. Okay. Question number six. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, you know when cats are about to fight and they go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. And their or, back goes up. Yeah. They hunch their back. Yeah. Or oh, and you know it sounds like a baby kind of crying or yeah. something really like that noise. Don't really like the dentist drill. Oh yeah. Like that's... the dentist. Yeah. Um, that cat one is. Um, no use. I think you said in the last episode or. Do, you've said before when someone says something and it brings up a thought but yeah that cat mm. noise yeah especially mm. it always seems to be from my experience like early hours in the morning when you're asleep yeah. on the windows open yeah. and it's woken me up a few times and it's quite um, yeah it's horrible it's like guttural the noise like a <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's horrible that's making me feel like oh, yeah. that's horrible yeah it's it horrible is. isn't it yeah yeah, move on to that. Okay, quick. <laughs> get, out that, get out of that one. Um, question number seven. This is Brian's favourite question, by the way. <laughs> it's probably mine as well, to be honest. Okay. What is your favourite swear word? Um, twat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I'm copying yours, that one. No, it's okay. Yeah. Paul Nane, um, he was our guest on our first... Um, episode with guests um, I think he copied all of my answers I think he actually just looked and just I think he's he cheated so <laughs> it's interesting isn't it though in all seriousness when the, the, the questions can really trigger quite emotive responses yeah, that, in, like, the cat was uh, yeah. that was really strange but and yeah. it's funny with swear words as well because and we've had this conversation with, with between ourselves and with, with previous guests as well Nick swear words can really mm tap into our emotions you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, they could really mm -hmm. I suppose if, you, if you'd be so inclined to you could really learn a bit about yourself by well mm -hmm. what would it what does it take for me to use a swear word or mm -hmm. what does it you know if I use a swear word is it is it a powerful emotion and more often you know particularly if it's your favourite swear word yeah it can be a quite a you know you express it with a yeah. with a I quite like power. it because it can be a smack as well, can't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're getting into this. <laughs> the rationale. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Question number eight. 
What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? So I wanted to be a teacher originally, um, and I think that's always something that yeah I would have liked to do. Um, yeah, I think I would have liked to teach. Yeah. Teacher. Mm. Great. Right. Uh, and question number nine: What profession, other than your own, would you? Excuse me. I'll ask that one again. Question number nine. What profession would you definitely not like to attempt? Mm. Anything to do with heights. I hate flying. I mean, I came to the therapy shed for hypnotherapy and mm. Brian did do quite a good job of me getting to Alonso Rossi on a plane. But anything that involves closed spaces and heights is probably not great for me, so flying or... Mm, Wind the cleaner. <laughs> yeah. Pilot. Even just thinking about being on, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay. And finally, Nick, question number 10. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, so because I've got no particular beliefs, I think when you're dead, you're dead. Well, I think that surprised you or well done. Or, and I definitely would like him to say, here's your mum, because my mum died when I was younger. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I like them questions. They are great questions. <laughs> like questions. Like Thank you very much for answering them as well, Nick. Um, yeah, it's, uh, interesting icebreaker as well, aren't they? I they think. really are. Yeah. Mm. They just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do like. Them. We should do them again, you know, on, a, on another episode because I reckon our answers would. Uh, they definitely, they definitely change. Well, I know what my my user hate now. Yeah. <laughs> You're definitely not getting a cat now, are you? That's proper triggering me. Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Uh, Shall we move on swiftly? Yes. So today's today's episode, we uh, in in the first series, we we done an episode on um, anxiety, um, and, and anxiety is such a, a huge topic, a, a big area, um, and we've done an overview. Mm. And one of the things that we mentioned in the overview of the anxiety um, episode we've done was OCD. Mm. Which again is uh, in itself is a huge subject, mm. which I'm sure we're going to find out throughout this episode. So, what we thought would be really good for us was to ask a guest on who works a lot with OCD, mm. um, and again, uh, because it is such a big subject, do another overview, mm. but specifically on yeah. OCD, and um, I'd imagine probably what will happen <laughs> Nick um, if, if you enjoy this experience is that maybe you'll come on again where we can do another episode and go a little bit more deeper mm. because I don't think we're going to cover everything in, in this one episode um, mm. but I do think having a little bit more in-depth knowledge of OCD and mm. what it is why it mm. is and maybe how how to work with it mm. um, would, would be really interesting and um, I think somebody that listens to the podcast even suggested doing an episode on OCD as well. So, mm. um, so yeah. So that's that's today's episode, isn't it? Indeed. But before we get to that, Nick, if, would it be okay for just, um, just to get a bit of a? I mean, we we're we're, we're friends, of course. Mm. We know you a little bit, but just to get a bit more of an understanding of what brought you to therapy, you know, your backstory, mm. what what kind of, I guess, ignited your passion for coming into the world of mental health and therapy. Mm. Um, would that be okay? Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, so for me, I suffered with OCD um, and the 
guess the place where that started for me um if, if we were to link it back or we to think about how people experience it is maybe some childhood trauma some sensitivity when i was younger and things like that and um uh, overestimation of my responsibility to look after other people that's kind of where it started for me um, and then probably kind of coming into my teenage years i watched a documentary on the tv and um, it was about this guy who'd killed loads of people and i just was so so shocked by it i remember going to bed that night thinking can't even believe that that happens in this world and and then it somehow got turned to well what if i did that what if i hurt somebody what if i was responsible and so kind of that uh, put a halt to my plans of being uh, a teacher and to do anything like that to help anybody mm-hmm. um, and then I kind of reduced a little bit over the years and then I, I wanted to have children and I had postnatal depression um, so that was really difficult because I had to really face this fear full on mm-hmm. um, that just just when, when my um, oldest was born um, just in the hospital at the, the first night when everybody went home it was really hot and I went by the window and I had a, just a, a mental image of, of throwing them out the window, it even upset me thinking about it now. And then going home and I couldn't cut their nails and I couldn't, I had images of putting them in washing machine, really, really, really horrible things. So, you know, that really, um, I was distraught. And then, because it's such, such, such a thing, I guess, for me, pure OCD, it was about the shame attached to that you know all i wanted to do is be a good mum yeah. and mm-hmm. i was so so ashamed of of that so i um just read everything i could i didn't, didn't go to therapy read every single book that i could ever get my hands on and i just started to think oh okay this is a real thing this is in the world it's not just me um so that really helped me um and even now you know i, I i'm an advocate for books on prescription books as uh, part of therapy um, it's so so important because the shame aspect of, of OCD particularly for me and for people who've got thoughts that are culturally not appropriate especially for a woman or a mum or you know it's like mm-hmm. um, it's unacceptable so to be able to read that and, and see that also other people that have experienced that is huge so that, that I would definitely recommend anyone who's struggling um with those, any type of unwanted thoughts and mm-hmm. um, would read up on it because there's so much out there now there's so much information yeah. out there there wasn't 15 years ago so yeah if you had if you had one or two books to, to recommend what, what, what would you recommend um so the, the, the ones that really really helped me um, was the imp of the mind um, who was by lee bayer Mm-hmm. Um, exploring the silence epidemic of obsessive thoughts really really good and talks about the imp like you know this kind of creature like OCD yeah, is like a little yeah, bit yeah. of a monster kind of thing really really good um, and also White Bears Another Unwanted Thoughts is a really really good book and that's by Daniel um, Wegner right. and he's an expert on uh, intrusive thoughts that was really really good um, so yeah, I guess I, I guess I had to face my fears in order to look after my kids, and then, um, and then my mum died, and lots of different things. And I would say that now I am recovered, but I am, I guess, analytical, obsessive person. You know, I, I want to make sure things are, um, 
See, the, the idea of people who are obsessive is they, they care too much and money too much and think too much, which is me. Mm-hmm. So, and that's another thing, you know, I say, now it's my superpower or my, yeah. the thing that, that I'm proud of now. Yeah. I'm proud of that I, I had, have OCD. So it's almost em- embracing it and, and yeah. trying to use the positives of, of, rather than fighting against it, sort of embracing it as part of who you are. Well, that is exactly how you get over OCD. You have to kind of accept the uncertainty because to try and control certainty doesn't exist in this world mm. is it you know if you try to control that and try to um manage it it just goes further and further away so i guess what i've learned is you know to try and accept the uncertainty i'm not saying that i'm not anxious anxious anymore because anxiety is normal isn't yeah. it you know yeah yeah 100 well, I, I do. I feel like you know, get, getting over it has given me the tools to be able to help other people and um, help them understand and use thought processes to help themselves. I want to say thought processes, you know, like things like, I guess, mindfulness really, because thought processes are just thoughts, aren't they? Yeah. Images, thoughts, things that are happening inside your head. They're not. Doesn't mean that's who you are. Yeah. But, you know what, what we teach I guess and what we a huge part of therapy for me I think is to try and get clients to mindfully be aware of not having any judgment towards their thoughts the thoughts being just like clouds in the background yeah. you know but of course if it's your worst fear the clouds mm-hmm. you know sharks in a big time wherever those worst fears are it's really difficult not to grab onto them and run with them isn't it yeah, yeah definitely so how, how did you go from experiencing OCD to then getting into become a therapist what what were you doing you you know you mentioned sort of after your teenage years yeah um, sort of the, the the goal of being a teacher sort of yeah went away so what what led from then to sort of becoming a therapist so um I was I worked in the court service for 18 years then mm-hmm. 19 years and then I had my first son and then second son and kind of in between my mum died and I was in, I used to kind of go and visit her in the hospice and I was there quite a lot. And I used to turn and kind of ch- chat to people and I guess help people and I felt this, even when my mum was ill, I kind of felt this strength come into me as in I thought, you know, I wanted to really be with her. I wanted, I, did, I, f- I feel like death is one of those things where you're very isolated mm. And, I, mm. and I really wanted to be with her. I wanted to help her in a way that maybe no one else could. And that sounds maybe like a an ego thing, but I don't mean that. I wanted to really be with her. Like yeah. I wanted to give her everything that I could give her. Mm-hmm. So, and as I did, I, I, I guess I began to change and, and think that I've got something here. There's something that I'm mm. able to do. Just um, be able to be present with somebody. Deeply present and like this kind of, sounds corny but this kind of lioness feeling comes over me and I, and I do feel that sometimes with clients you, you really need to, to be held or yeah. to be with you know this mm-hmm. feeling like I'm not going to run away from this I'm going to be really here mm-hmm. and that's how I felt with my mum so and a couple of people said to me oh you know you really you've got something here and um, I wasn't scared of the death thing I guess so but anyway, so then I went and done the level one, and then the level two, and I was like, mm, level three, and then, and then done the diploma, and then I did CBT, and then all these other things. So, 
And here I am. So. And, and what comes to mind with, with all of that, what, mm. the way you described that was the saying, um, which is one of my favourite sayings when it comes to especially therapy, which is uh, when you can't look on the bright side, I will sit with you in the dark. Yeah. And there's something about that yeah. holding somebody when they feel you, you know, that the they're at their worst point in their life or you know whatever's going on for them is, is really really you know bad for them and you feel like they're in a really dark place and sometimes in therapy it's about being able to just sit with that person in, in yeah. that moment and it comes back to that word um you mentioned just a minute ago nick that acceptance as well mm. and it can be such a powerful process that can't it you know mm-hmm. because um i think it, I suppose instinctively for maybe for us you know when we're working with ourselves, but certainly when we're working with others and particularly if it's your personal life you know you're sharing the story there Nick with your mum is you want to rescue you want to mm-hmm. fix the problem or you want to in some way alleviate a person's situation if it's if you know their pain shall we say um, and that's not always you know possible or that's not always the best approach to you know, the most constructive approach to have and just listen to you tell that story and thanks so much for sharing that Nick because I think it was really powerful um, certainly for myself but hopefully for people listening as well mm. you know it's, um, that actually accepting the situation because I think with the word acceptance sometimes it can it can be misinterpreted shall we say or, or misunderstood as you're just submitting I think that's mm. what I'm trying to say when I'm, mm. where, I'm, where I'm going with that acceptance can be misunderstood as a submission to mm. you um, being powerless or useless mm. or anything like that and that's mm. not the case at all is it you know acceptance is well, it, it comes back to that quote Brian that you just shared that it's actually we might be able to fix this problem in the way that mm. we we initially conceptualize the idea of mm. fixing it um, but if we can sit with the problem and obviously mm. then and particularly if it's with somebody else yeah we can then begin to you know, yeah, I suppose acceptance for me there's acceptance where I, think, I don't know if this is what you're trying to say where accepting it or I'll just accept that's the way it is or there's accepting it where then you would then embrace it mm-hmm. and, and I think that's that's the mm-hmm. difference yeah, it's spot, yeah that's it spot on. and I think for me for, for thinking about there was a moment where me and my mum were sitting on the couch and it was like a, a, a moment where I knew she was going to die I think mm. I, I must have been because she died when I was 27 so I would have been about 25 at the time and I remember that just this idea of I just just wanted to be deeply present with her while mm-hmm. she was there, so not wanted to res- rescue or fix, although it did. <laughs> you know, if I could have done anything to take it away, it would yeah, have, but I just wanted to just be with her, mm-hmm. to share that with her, because so much of the pain, especially if we relate to the therapy as well, if you're really with the clients, you know, if you're really present with them, um, they don't feel in the dark, maybe, as much. They just feel... Yeah. Um, aided by you but not rescued mm-hmm. which is how we help with their autonomy and confidence and yeah. how we help with their um, being able to be their own therapist being mm-hmm. able to fix themselves if that's the right word fix yeah. or find a pathway out the jungle or out the darkness mm-hmm. or um, and I think that is so important um, because rather than just being kind of two separate people in the room is to have this I, I often think of it like a toboggan, you know, to kind of be uh, on 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 the ride with them. Yeah, mm, I love that analogy. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great analogy. Um, but but you know, but 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 we've got a different perspective. We, we you know we share the client's view, but 
hopefully we've got a, a different perspective to help yeah. or to aid. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's really, really a good way of explaining how therapy can can be, especially yeah. you know that when you describe and that to me that sounds very much a person centered approach, yeah. Um, yeah. which I apply to all my therapy anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. So, th- did you, when you trained to be a therapist mm. and you become a counselor, did you know that your main interest or area of work was going to be OCD, or did no. it just sort of develop? Um. So, I guess I was always interested in wanting to help people with OCD because I did think to myself, if somebody had just helped me on that on the brink like 14 or 15 or someone's just there for me things would have been so different mm-hmm. for me um so that was always in the back of my mind of wanting to help people um with that and i thought just because of my experience hopefully i was able to be maybe on that toboggan with them a little bit more closely or a little bit kind of so i guess um i just started um well, well, I mean, I started volunteering, and then I worked for Place to Be, and then I worked for all different places, and then I started my own private practice, Rainbow Seventeen, in in two thousand seventeen, as the um, name suggests, and um, I just seemed to, I don't know, I seemed to attract people who got OCD. Um, uh, I put it down as something I was interested in, and. I guess I had really good results or people had good results with me um, and then obviously did I'd, I'd done CBT which so the treatment for OCD lots of acronyms know today so obviously obsessive compulsive disorder and CBT is called cognitive behavioral therapy so so the the treatment for um, OCD is cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. I guess um, and so because I'd done that course I, I was able to help in that way um, and I was just really, really interested in, in helping people because of my experience. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose when, when I'm guessing, because I think i done a module on um, OCD when I was doing my CBT. Yeah. Um, so w- w- uh, was it then that sort of, I don't know, ignited that sort of, oh, so actually I know the model now to yeah. help with OCD? Yeah, well, I would just remember because, I, cause, you know, I'd read every book I could find on it. Mm. again and again and, and, and you know I've got underlined it and passageways and post-its on and everything like that so I remember when they were teaching it I was like yeah 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 so I so I knew that and, and that was helpful to be taught it as well and so then I was maybe that was the most confident thing I had yeah. in my arsenal to be able to help people because I thought well that's the thing that I know from my experience you yeah. know and I think it, it sounds like what you were able to do there was put the the theory to the mm. knowledge that you already have. Yeah. It's like linking them together, mm. isn't it? Which, um, it, you know, I think is, is good when you learn about therapy because mm. I think most people who go into therapy mm. are interested in, maybe, maybe not knowing at first, but interested in just people, in yeah. interested in connecting with people. And a lot of jobs that they've had prior are all about working with people. Yeah. Um, and when they start learning the knowledge, it's like, oh, I already sort of knew that. Or yeah. I, I got that, but it makes sense of things, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. For you, I, I find, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think that the, like, the psychoeducation, if you like, the, 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 the understandings of the, of, 
of the mind and particularly when, when you get into you know like the world of OCD I think is, is a great example of as you say Nick when we start learning about how the mind tends to start playing out and the, and the um, relationship between thoughts and feelings and behaviours and so on um, how that can become I guess wonky as you if Brilliant, I was looking for a word. <laughs> yeah, Messy. Yeah, exactly. Maladaptive, as we would say, yeah, yeah. clinically. Yeah. But yeah, and, and I think, you know, if I if, if I could just help one person, you know, I'd think, well, it's all been worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And when your life depends on getting better for your kids and when your life depends on feeling okay, then, and I'll own this, I won't say you, I had no choice to read everything that I knew on it because mm-hmm. I thought and that's not going to be me so yeah and, and yeah okay so yeah. so what 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 in your opinion or in your sort of knowledge what is OCD how would you describe what OCD is well in my words I guess, I, I guess um, it's anything that includes obsessions not just compulsions because compulsions we think so an obsession is something that you're constantly thinking about, you can't stop thinking about, it's probably unpleasant. And a compulsion is not necessarily just a behaviour, it can be thought neutralising, um, as well as, you know, uh, the, the the things that we've, we, we've heard about, like washing your hands and things like that. Sorry. But actually... Oh, sorry. sorry Nick, sorry yeah. to interrupt, I'm just thinking thought neutralising, mm. we just... Um, just unpack that for a second so what yeah. if I'm thought neutralising what would I be doing so say for example if you think about if you were thinking about worrying about contamination and therefore you would go and do an actual compulsion a behavioural compulsion like washing your hands yeah. that would be a physical behavioural compulsion mm-hmm. and that's the one we know about isn't it And is it, however if you thought a bad thought if you thought about I don't know pushing someone out in front of a train or having a bad thought you might kind of have a a nice thought to counteract that or you might try to think of numbers or you might try to you know, do things with your hands but you might not necessarily do something physically but to try and neutralize that mm. thought you might have a good thought or if you, if if say your obsession was religious stuff maybe you would if you i don't know had a, a thought about the devil or something you think about jesus or you know something to counteract yeah so, try and find the the the, the opposite in some ways of, of the of the really intrusive thought yeah try and to, neutralize, to neutralize the bad course, yeah. thought in mm. order because i guess it's this idea as well as thinking you're a bad person because you had a bad thought mm. or thinking that you were you know unworthy un- un- unlovable unlikable because you just had a thought and this is the idea um about uh, ocd is people who worry too much think too much um care too much who've got ocd and mm. this is why i like to work with them is <laughs> because these people are really kind and nice mm-hmm. and lovely people yeah. and they've got this thing that's really stopping them from being themselves mm-hmm. and, and you know this 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 term that we use which is ego dystonic which is completely if, if you if you've got ocd that is around x whatever the, the theme is that'll be the worst thing that you could have it about because your fear about ocd wouldn't be my fear it would be the worst thing for you yeah because what it goes looking for is your unconscious fears and your childhood fears and you know your deepest darkest place where it's like oh. and you know talk no thanks for sharing that nick because when i work with ocd it comes back i find that can be such a a key checkpoint if you like in the overall process such a, a breakthrough if we if i can use that word it comes back to what you were saying before brian 
starting to understand how the mind works and actually the you know re- reading books around different uh, different you know mental health uh, issues shall we say we then start to learn a bit more about ourselves and I think that's a key thing with clients with um, particularly if they're struggling with OCD or traits of OCD is that exactly what you just described there if you have a bad thought does that mean you're a bad person yeah. and sometimes I might say to a client you know would you say to somebody else if they had a bad thought like I was walking my dog the other day and I thought imagine I push my dog into the middle of the road and a car knocked them over would you tell somebody else that well you're clearly an evil person for having that thought mm. and as you say Nick and I find that so often as well the vast majority if, if not everybody I've met who is really struggling with OCD they're really kind compassionate caring conscientious people you know and it's because partly I think it's because we care so much that the you know we can be obviously vulnerable to OCD treatment absolutely. absolutely and if you think about the in unacceptability of uncertainty um, it's easy to say um, if you think about that and somebody with OCD who looks for safety all the time and says that it's unacceptable that there's any risk here whatsoever you cannot um, live in a world where there's no risk mm-hmm. at all so but the person who has got OCD would want that and, and chases that and if it's elusive it's it's uh, you know it's going down kind of a tunnel that you can never escape from you know wanting yeah. to get reassurance wanting to have safety seeking behaviors included wanting to um make sure that there's no risk there's no evidence that mm. you know you could do harm or you you could contaminate or you could you know this idea of magical thinking you know if i don't do this this will happen mm-hmm. i've got to be certain that this won't happen but you can't be certain that's no. the thing mm. you can't be certain yeah, and I um, think sorry, I was just gonna say most of us can tolerate that uncertainty, can't we? And we don't have just just somebody with OCD will grab onto that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tolerate that, and just it manifests into a huge ball of anxiety. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I was just about to say about when you were saying about people with with OCD about you know the the character traits of being like very kind, genuine people. What I find is, and this is one of the things I work with quite a lot when I first start working with people with with OCD, is to give that back to themselves, to be kind to themselves, to mm-hmm. be, um, well, yeah, kind to themselves, um, yeah, yeah. And, and start practicing that sort of um, self self care, self love, mm-hmm. um, because they're able to give it to everybody else, mm-hmm. but when it comes to applying it to themselves, because of their intrusive thoughts, because of the yeah. thoughts that they have defines it really difficult to, to be kind to themselves Absolutely. definitely i think that is a i mean a, a, can be a huge you know checkpoints breakthrough again if, if you like the idea of sharing the t- terms such as intrusive thoughts i mean i don't know about yourself nick but with with clients sometimes you'll say so intrusive thoughts and they might say oh, what's an intrusive thought yeah, you know yeah. and that can be a really interesting thing because mm sharing with the clients well the vast majority if not all of us the research yeah. shows experience intrusive mm. thoughts the mind mm. is capable of that and all of us experience them mm. it's but with ocd i think yeah it's then sorry the, the first point i was going to make there was when you share the term intrusive thoughts so yeah. often a client will say well what, what how would you do you know what's yeah. an intrusive thought and it's just yeah. having again it comes back to that self-care doesn't mm-hmm. it right you know actually going well an intrusive thought 
I've got the intrusive thought because I've experienced it I haven't labelled it or Mm. understood it shall we say as an intrusive thought I've immediately gone to the belief that well I'm a terrible person for having that thought yeah. and how would you describe an intrusive thought to can I, can I yeah. sorry, say something really quick just because as we normally do because we get so engrossed in what mm. we're talking about but I'm just wondering what might be helpful if we take it back to what is OCD like what how would you describe it I was getting a bit excited yeah. there, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry, but I, so, I was too. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the, the DSM-5 or Diagnostical Statistical Manual, um, which uh, doctors and psychologists use, would say that OCD is characterised by the presence of obsessions and or compulsions, and our obsessions are recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges or images that are experienced as intrusive and unwanted, whereas compulsions are repetitive behaviours or mental acts that an individual feels driven to perform in response to an obsession or according to rules that must be um, applied rigidly. Um, there are subtypes, but there are so many of them, I guess. Um, um, but, but OCD has now got its own category. It used to be, it is an anxiety disorder, but it, it's got its own kind of category now. And I guess what I was saying just before about the fact that you know don't get too caught up on, on um if you're not um if you don't have the compulsions because you could be thought neutralized and just thinking about people listening to this who you know they might have the obsessions and the compulsions but a compulsion um you know it could be a thought neutralizing technique that they're doing so what, what i mean by that they could be doing something in their own mind rather than so, physical yeah, thing, yeah yeah and, and the um the diagnosable criteria is to have two or more of these um symptoms before you get diagnosed okay. so, so right. obsessions and compulsions but it doesn't mean to say if you're not hand washing or doing this or that that it's not a compulsion because you might be doing something in your head that is yeah cognitively yeah, yeah. exactly exactly so at what stage um do you think somebody would access therapy or at what point does ocd become mm, um, a disorder a disorder I think if it, you know, if it's intruding in your life so much that you can't go about your daily business, um, or that it's doing something in your relationships, or and and you know, therapy can be really really useful because I guess you know, uh, CBT is really really useful for OCD, um, because it is about those thought processes, and you know, it's really really useful to be in front of somebody who's trained and. Uh, especially with OCD you know I think if you're not with somebody who's trained or knows exactly what to do with this it can kind of go a little bit awry mm -hmm. you know if it's, say for mm -hmm. example you to say oh you know I've got the thoughts of harming somebody or I've got thoughts of you know bend down the church or something and it was an inexperienced therapist and they go yeah. you know you could <laughs> land yeah. yourself into real trouble so I think it's really important to make sure that you've got somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Do you I, know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I've spoken to somebody mm -hmm. before who was um, put off going to therapy or seeking help because they were having those um, intrusive thoughts around, mm -hmm. um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that they thought if they told somebody, yeah. um, they would get into trouble for. And obviously yeah. we had to, um, you know, we sort of I gave that reassurance that, yeah. you know, obviously I understand why you're coming. and you know i explained still around contracting and um confidentiality and things like that but but also um the understanding of you know you're explaining why you're coming and the, the, this is what's happening so yeah. let's look at it yeah which is really good because you know if somebody is coming with, with an obsession 
um, and we just touched on intrusive thoughts before of course you can't get rid of a thought a bad thought because the, the more you do the the closer it becomes mm. you can't actually thought neutralize although you might try because the loop that you create in your brain becomes stronger and stronger you know every time we you know avoid that kind of um uncertainty then it becomes that stronger link and you cannot mm. then undo that unless you have specific therapy so if you went for um treatments for that and you then told somebody i'm, I'm having these intrusive thoughts like you said kind of real um culturally inappropriate intrusive thoughts like you know harm to somebody sexual thoughts religious thoughts mm -hmm. anything like that this is this has taken an awful lot for this person to say that to you yeah. and for you to then go oh yeah I, I don't know about that well that's not okay or mm -hmm. for even for you to kind of have a face that's not okay you know if you judge them even through your facial expressions you know my husband always says I, he'd never take me to the poker table so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for me if somebody was to tell me about this mm -hmm. i would be hopefully just the unconditional positive regard as carla just says and i would just be open and yeah but it can be really damaging as well doesn't yeah, it yeah to be before. with the wrong um, of course yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah we've got to find a therapist that is is um works for you as well you know we, 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 say this, we say this quite a lot don't we on on the podcast around it it's so important about finding the right therapist for mm. you um, and if you're seeking a therapist uh, you know ask them what mm. their experience is so mm. if you're if you have ocd and you seek a therapist mm. ask them what their understanding is it ask them mm. if if they know how to work with with ocd mm. Mm. Um, absolutely absolutely and you know i often say to clients you know shop around yeah see how you feel don't just go with the first one see if could could i could i share anything with this man or this woman could mm -hmm. i tell them you know about intimate details like it was tin of baked beans as they used to say on my counseling course it takes a little bit of time to, to be able to do that because you form a relationship but you do have to have that at least feeling to begin with don't you definitely 100%. otherwise 100%. yeah it could be more damaging to the client couldn't it could yes yes definitely just to um, bring us back to when we were saying about what is OCD and, mm. and you, you you shared the DSM mm. um, kind of official line there um, but I guess something that you mentioned earlier on as well Nick that was I think would be good for us to just mm. touch on for a minute is the you said there's lots of subtypes of mm. OCD you know and as, as Brian said at the beginning of the episode it's such a broad um, area of mental health OCD you know such a broad it um, subject. Subject. Thank you, yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you mentioned POCD earlier mm -hmm. on in the episode. I was just wondering, could you, yeah, could you explain that one for so us? What is what's, what's POCD? Well, it can stand for a couple of things: paedophile or pure, pure okay. OCD, or so pure, pure or pure OCD is when you just have the obsessions, the obsessional thoughts without any compulsions. Mm -hmm. But just to be aware as well that people may be having thought neutralization or something going on, but pure obsession is just thinking about the thing all the time so mm -hmm. without the compulsions um i mean even under under the um ocd um title now there's thing like body dysmorphic disorders under there and right. trickle to mania you know spin uh, skin picking uh, right, okay. under there um yeah and and so it, it is a, it, it's a huge subject i guess and it's there's so many things um, 
that we I, I suppose when people say I've heard people say I'm a bit OCD and it can sound like it's a um, I'm trying to think of the word it's not um, serious maybe yeah yeah I'm trying to think of the word debilitating mm. you know because uh, you do, you know what you mentioned earlier on about these intrusive thoughts uh, everybody has odd thoughts don't they but the yeah. intrusive nature of the thoughts is when you can't accept that you could even have this thought and mm. it goes worse and worse and worse and if you think about that as a as personality type or a person you know and, and they've got all of these intrusive thoughts day in day out all day and all night you take you everywhere you go you just can't escape from this and it, as well the idea of ego dystonic it goes and looks for your childhood or uh, unconscious fears it is having to like facing your worst fear every day the thing that you fear the most mm. the thing that you don't want to you know whatever your worst fear is that's what it goes looking for right okay, okay that makes yeah. sense you know? yeah so definitely what your you, OCD yeah. would be is not yours and that's why it's like so different so different for different people you know so what what is the difference how would you describe the difference where somebody says for example um i have to clean i've got ocd because I, mm. I, I, the house has to be clean all of the time because if it doesn't it, it stresses me out or it it sort of really it really bothers me mm. compared to maybe somebody with actual diagnosed ocd what, what what's the difference yeah so well the obsessions and the compulsions if you're obsessed about um, say the cleanliness of the house means that you know I don't know somebody else is not going to get harmed or this idea of magical thinking or but if you just um, really really clean and it I hate to say it, a neat freak then you know maybe that's just something else you just you know are just anxious but the obsessions and the compulsions are, oftentimes the compulsions are a way of trying to neutralize or get rid of an obsessional thought mm -hmm. so you're having to do something compulsively to get rid of thinking something so if nice. the action that you're doing determines how you feel so for example if i was go if i was thinking you know um i really if if i don't tidy this house to the nth degree tonight my mum is going to die or if i don't do this something's mm. going to happen yeah that, that's so i think sorry brian so sorry Mark. i was just going to say so the difference maybe is somebody who will maybe say i have ocd because i have to clean the house all the time because if i don't i get really stressed or i get really um frustrated that could be more of they have generalized anxiety or they have a, an anxiety rather than it being actual ocd yeah or i mean you know a lot of people that are undiagnosed have got ocd mm -hmm. it could be that but generally it's the compulsions to try and get rid of the obsessional thoughts yes. the compulsions are a way of trying to um, seek certainty um, you know to kind of reduce that fear reduce mm. the um, possibility that something could happen you know whether it's a lot of people say to me it just doesn't feel right just doesn't, something about it just doesn't feel right and that's that's very um, usual in, in OCD is like that this feeling you know mm. this visceral yeah. body feeling of something just doesn't feel right and you know that's because kind of their spidey sense is pricked up and they've got this physical feeling and they want to subside that feeling and, and again this idea of habituation yeah, yeah of course. you know of trying to settle down into that feeling so if for example you are somebody who's worried about 
killing all your family because you'd prepared a meal and you thought that it was contaminated and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cleaning everything, washing everything, and you know, to the point where you couldn't even maybe prepare any food anymore or do this or do that, you know, and all the time you're kind of in this active mode, this activated mode, and then quite often, you know, it's like, I don't know if you've watched Jurassic Park, you know, where you see the uh, T-Rex testing the fence, Shinks in the fence, tries to test the fence to see whether or not they get electrocuted. OCD is a little bit like that. It goes and tests for weaknesses. So it may start off as one thing, but it can jump to another. So if your particular theme is harm, then it might be there, or particular whatever it is, it'll just go and test out that theory. Is this is this a thing? So there's a real sense that it can move. That yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting Mm. that you say that, Nick, because. When you were talking, I was just thinking like, so often, and this is something I found invaluable when I was training uh, as a therapist, was that anxiety, particularly anxiety, but and certainly when we're talking about OCD, our coping strategies mm. and compulsions, shall we say, they don't stop at one thing. They will, they will kind of, mm. if you're to use maybe a, um, a common and maybe slightly stereotypical example for a, an a, OCD compulsion checking the locks mm. I have to check the locks mm. um, on every door and every window in the mm. house mm. and if you do that at certain times of the day and that quells mm. my anxiety mm. for a short time but your OCD your OCD won't stop there no, no. It, you'll have to then check them three times yeah. then you'll check them in, in a certain order and and it will become it tends to become more aggressive doesn't it absolutely it's, yeah and it's that's just really um I thought that was really insightful what you were saying then around it does move around anxiety it's a beast and you know? just one you said every time you choose safety you reinforce fear every time you choose the safe option and you add it into those that mm. safety net you know um you reinforce that pathway of fear you know okay no you know that mistrust in self did i love no i didn't lock it actually uh, you know that profound mm. kind of self-doubt which is very yeah. very common and this is a huge element of, uh, of ocd you know not trusting the self, not believing the self, not not being confident, and and one of the treatments is is exposure and response prevention (ERP). Mm-hmm. So if you were to get that treatment, that would be about habituation. So being around that threat, being around that intolerance, and trying to increase the intolerance of those um, experiences, so that the body became confident again. Mm-hmm. So that brain pathway was like, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. So the brain what want to say about the brain pathway we, we've we've we're so anxious because we don't trust ourselves we don't believe ourselves we've got this profound self-doubt and every time we do a safety seeking behavior it increases the the self-doubt mm-hmm. every single it validates time. it doesn't it absolutely we, yeah we validate absolutely. the problem by the the coping strategy um I, I forget the exact words that you used then but i thought it was brilliant kind of synopsis you said um, the safety behaviour what did you say the safety behaviour is something about the obsession every time you choose uh, safety oh you reinforce fear yeah that's it so, you so reinforce fear yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people I'm going to use that one <laughs> I'm stealing that next. yeah well, well every time that you know for, for exposure response prevention which is the treatment you know if you're able to be aware of those safety seeking behaviours the, the people that collude with you and to try and take them out of the loop in order for you to do that. So, you know, to be around that perceived threat, to, to shut the door and be the last one out, 
to not check the cooker before you're going to bed and stuff and not ask for someone can you check that for me could you do that for me that's what increases that tolerance of mm. uncertainty mm. because and that if there's one thing that anyone can get from today is that you cannot get certainty that's the thing that generally people with OCD have got a um, overestimation of their responsibility for being able to sort stuff out or maybe an overestimated responsibility at a younger age therefore trauma mm-hmm. and for that reason maybe the, they, they can't tolerate it now they can't tolerate that uncertainty they want someone else to check it for them someone else to do mm-hmm. it for them someone else to be there and if you can for the exposure response prevention treatment you have to eliminate those safety seeking behaviours otherwise they're void you know so if you yeah. if you if you shut the door and you know somebody else is going to check it after you then it's yeah it's a it's a experiment that it, it, it loses its potency doesn't it if absolutely yeah it's not it, doing what we actually needed to do in no. order to help us with the, to the challenge that, yeah to strengthen you, that pathway again so you're, you're still feeding into that thought of well Absolutely. i know somebody else has checked it so therefore although mm. it might not be quite the same it's still yeah it's still the same the, it's the, reassurance sorry but i just on that one it's reassurance seeking in many ways that isn't it you, yeah someone else is doing the checking for you mm. or you check you or you re- seeking reassurance from somebody else that yeah. or the the door's locked or is mm. the house clean sort of thing so yeah again it comes back to you reinforcing the fear by by seeking that sort of Absolutely. safety. Absolutely. Sorry, Brian, I interrupted you then. No, I was just going to say, the, the, the thing that always interests me or sort of comes up for me is, um, and maybe you might be able to answer this, Nick, is where, where does the element of control come in? Because I think control for me is quite a big yeah. word that comes mm-hmm. up for, for people I work with a lot of the time with, with OCD, either yeah. feeling a lack of control or the need to always be in control. Mm-hmm. So when, when you've got control, there's certainty, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And, and if you feel as though you are, I guess, driving the bus or the ship or whatever, you feel as though you're um, the one at the helm and in charge, when actually the paradoxical nature of control is the more control you think you have, the less um, you do. So, you know, if you think about being on the roller coaster, you know, I guess what I say to clients is try and take your hands off the bar mm-hmm. um, and just enjoy the ride and everybody with OCD goes what um, they just tr- cling on tighter and tighter and tighter yeah. to the point that they don't the, the universe becomes tiny and yeah, they eliminate yeah. all fear uncertainty but actually then there's no control yeah because that, that that clinging on yeah. almost gives them a sense of control but there is no control there is there the, the, and that's the paradoxical nature of it is that the more the harder that you try to cling on, the less freedom you do have, yeah. and that's the, yeah, that, the less that's... freedom you kind of have in your own life. And you could probably write your your ability to take risks or to do things on the postage stamp because you can't. It becomes smaller and smaller and smaller the things mm-hmm. you can do because actually you can't take any risks anymore. And I say to people, you know, with exposure response prevention and habituation, what we want to do is, you know, if you think about when you were learning to swim, just start to paddle and, and take your feet off the floor off the floor of the swimming pool maybe in the five foot mm-hmm. depth mm-hmm. and just try and paddle and just when you get out of your depth just have a little go and then come back again don't jump into the six foot deep end you know don't do that straight away because that's too much and actually that's counterintuitive and mm-hmm. that won't benefit you long term mm-hmm. do things you know at least three times a day three hours a day this yeah. idea of being able to 
habituate to a threat. The more you can habituate, the less potent it will be. And I th- and, I, and I think that thing with with um, about the control and the and the fear. Um, an example I'll sort of always use and um, uh, sort of flying can can be a good one where God. somebody's <laughs> uh, sorry um, is somebody who's maybe afraid of flying. Often it can be because they don't feel they're in control because they're sitting mm. in a seat, seat belt on. Somebody else is doing all the the, the work type of thing. But mm. that same person would, when you put it to them, would quite happily um, drive down the motorway at 80, 90 miles an hour, mm. um, thinking that they're perfectly safe because they feel mm. that they're in control. But it's a perceived thought, isn't mm. it? Because actually they can't control the other drivers. Yeah. You know, they can't control. They can only control the car to a certain points where you think of a pilot of flying a plane who's had extensive training mm. who you, you know the, the a plane sort of mm. double triple checks before it takes off mm. um where you jump into your car and drive 100 miles an hour down the motorway mm. or 80 miles down the no- motorway but you feel in control mm. but it's but, perceived yeah. isn't it that, yeah, that's where definitely, the, the yeah. paradox comes in and yeah absolutely but i suppose i'm thinking about myself with ocd and thinking about my experience and i'm thinking about how when whenever there was a school trip and my kids uh, had to go on a school trip, I think, oh, the bus driver, what if he's drunk? What if he's this? What if he's that? And for me, the plane driver, what if this? What if that? What if that? What if that? So this is the imp of the mind of OCD. Mm-hmm. This is the 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 bad thoughts and this mm-hmm. is the uncertainty. You know that kind of like eh, heh, heh, heh. Mm-hmm. like the T Rex t- testing the fence. But what if? What if? Yeah, what if? Yeah. Not sure. What if? What, what this could happen and it's never ending what if of possibilities or uncertainties I guess and mm. that's that's the idea with somebody with you know OCD who just cannot tolerate that mm. you know that that uncertainty so the control that they think they have um, yeah is I guess for some things useful but actually uh, all, all over their lives you've got to try and reduce that control or mm. reduce the sense of trying to exert control over things that you can't control or at least know the difference yeah your perception yeah 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 and i, and I think that's the difference isn't it yeah. when we said at the beginning of um when does ocd become a problem yeah. um or when should somebody maybe try and get help is when it starts having a negative impact on your life and it stops you from mm. doing things or it stops you you know for example if you're a parent it stops your children from going yeah. on a school trip for example yeah. because of those what ifs that you might have even yeah. though you might not have any evidence um to support them thoughts and again mm. when i work with with people often one of the things we will do is look at um, as a way of of um processing it is look yeah. at what what what's fact and what's fiction yeah. what are you basing this on what evidence do you have so yeah. for example just the example you gave there about the bus driver on a school trip what if he's drunk what if he's this yeah, yeah. what evidence have you got to say that he would be mm. um what, what are you basing this on what are you basing these thoughts on is it is it fact or is it fiction yeah i don't know if that makes sense absolutely yeah, yeah. and that there's a there's a, a sheet we use isn't it putting thoughts on trial or fact or fiction mm-hmm. and it is very much about okay your rational part of your brain needs to be reinforced and strengthened because what you're using is this emotional process and kind of link a lot more than you need to yeah definitely um, yeah yeah so you mentioned um erp before nick yeah. as well i'm just thinking like treatment for yeah. OCD you've mentioned mm. quite a bit about uh, CBT mm. but I think with ERP tasks as well something that comes to mind for me is um, talking about exposure and re- response prevention yeah. um, and I think it's important as well to I guess for just to share but certainly when we're working with with clients it's 
it's not just about in fact as you said it's not about thought suppression or thought neutralization that tends to compound and reinforce the the um the fear mm. but it's about learning new beliefs around the interest of thought or the, the fears that you have absolutely and not only beliefs you know there's this idea of you know mindfulness which is our uh, brains uh, you know <laughs> an expert in but we think about mindfulness and think about the skill to be able to kind of passively look at thoughts you know this is you know if you've got a therapist who who that's a huge part of the work for me all, all of this um this work where we kind of attack thoughts or we try to change processes and stuff like that i don't really think you can do that unless you've got um at least some self-awareness and some mindfulness mm -hmm. kind of you know being able to observe your thoughts as they're happening mm -hmm. it's not that easy it's yes. not that easy to teach people is it you know no, no, no. definitely not uh, you know I, I think about you know the way i describe it is you know if you imagine don't know if you've been to blue Pla planet aquarium oh yes and Indeed. you go right the way down i'm not not keen on things like that me but anyways you go right the way down the deeper and deeper you go and then you'll see maybe sharks swimming mm -hmm. around or big things mm -hmm. swimming under the water and things like that you know now if you think those sharks or those fish could be your obsessions those scary thoughts and you could go oh and all you see is these swim pastures, the, the fear that you have, um, you could see their teeth, their, you know, their, you could think about maybe mental, uh, mentalizing blood coming out of their mouth, all those kind of things. However, if you're able to kind of see them in a different way and habituate and be mindful and not judge thoughts, you could start to see them as maybe the beautiful animals that they are. You could start to kind of go, I'm afraid of being in this place rather than this is just going to crack and I'm going to drown you know you could start to think of thoughts more passively yeah. rather yeah. than taking them and running with them you know mm -hmm. or just yeah. being able to see them passing by like clouds or mm -hmm. definitely yeah I think absolutely and as you say Brian's the mindfulness whiz <laughs> in the therapy shed <laughs> but uh, yeah building up our relationships with our thoughts as well and it, mm. I mean it comes back to what we were talking about um, earlier on when you're working in, with clients and particularly the struggling with OCD, mm. um, just actually recognizing that as a as a concept that that was certainly important for myself. You know, yeah. in my training, just recognizing the idea of not every thought is a fact. Not yeah. every thought do we act on. You know, not every Absolutely. thought is important to us. Um, so yeah, building up our our awareness and then those relationships with our mm. own thoughts, it can. I think it can sound a little bit um, odd maybe if that's the right yeah. word you know if you've if you've never if you've never reflected on you if you had that self-reflection do you know what I mean I totally know what you mean because that's mm. one of the hardest things that is I guess there's a teaching element and a psychoeducation element that we teach our clients it's one of the most difficult things to try and get somebody to do isn't it you know to try and think about what thoughts are and to meditate and some people with anxiety can't stand to be still for a second and mm -hmm. to have those thoughts going through and you know this idea of thought action fusion to think of something means it actually happens mm -hmm. just because your thoughts are something doesn't mean not only that you're a bad person because your thoughts are something that it has happened or that it will happen or that it's going to happen you know and trying to come away from that um, or sit still is very difficult with anx our anxious clients and we're saying to clients we need to check it check in and stay with and be present and be mindful of and look at your worst fear here yeah mm. and people want to run a mile from that yeah. 
you know, of course they do because that's what they've been trying to do for years before they come to see you. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the way out of the labyrinth is oh. to be able to. No, go on, yeah. That's, that's the way out is to be able to confront yeah. the, the thoughts and the fears um, and just. Yeah, recognizing them as what they as what they are. If that's, if if that's, the, you know, the way to describe it, recognizing them as thoughts, recognizing our fears, rather than something that is, as you said, Brian, like a fact situation yeah. that we need to constantly be putting up safety barriers around. Um, again, it comes back to that mindfulness thing, doesn't it? You know, it's just building up that relationship with, this is what I'm feeling or this is what I'm thinking. This isn't necessarily my reality right now and when you do that I find that when you face that fear shall, shall we say that all of a sudden it becomes quite small yeah. well I was just thinking about if, if you've ever watched a horror movie I don't like horror movies but if you've ever watched a horror movie um, and you've watched it repeatedly like I'm knocking on jaws mm. that just the cello <laughs> but if you watch a horror movie repeatedly I guess you've got less fear to the same response and that's the idea of habituation isn't it yeah. that if it's something that comes on all the time you you're ready for the jump scare you're ready for the freddy proof whatever it is mm -hmm. yeah. then it, it it your brain starts to learn that we don't need to get out of the way here it's scary and it makes me jump or it makes me a little bit afraid but actually two feet on the ground i'm safe yeah yeah i'm okay i don't need to escape mm -hmm. i don't need to that threat system is not activated as yeah. much because Cognitively, we know, oh, well, okay, it's kind of okay here. Yeah. Especially, sorry, no if especially if you choose to watch it, and this is what I say to clients, so if you're habituating to a threat, flooding, or if you're habituating to a certain thing and you choose to do that through therapy, through um, mindfully wanting to do it and giving the tools and all of that, it's got a different response as well, hasn't it? So if you were still plonked somewhere and you wasn't ready and you wasn't prepared, for something, you'd have this a different response to if you were prepared and you were going mm. mentally. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. mentally prepared, or at least knowing that it was your choice. And I guess that's the difference. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, to me, that's that's with most things in therapy, isn't it? If people come because they they're ready and they want to. Then they're going to be able to get a lot more out of it rather than them feeling they're being forced into it or you know yeah. dragging oh, definitely. And kicking and, definitely. Kicking yeah. and screaming and so it. so it means sorry but i mean you say like you, your worst fear was a 10 minute horror movie say mm -hmm. and somebody put it on for you and on repeat to frighten you you would get one response but if you went okay and you you had training or therapy to go okay you choose to watch that three times a day you would have a different response to mm -hmm. if it was played not in your choice. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. 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 And, and with ERP, that's sorry, but I was just going to say with ERP, that's crucial, isn't it? With yeah. exposure and re response prevention tasks that we'd use in therapy, it's crucial that it has to be intentional, as you say. You would choose to do it. It's not just something that's kind of well. I'll just wait for that situation to come along, yeah. and then and then you know try and react differently. It has to be as you say, Nick. You know, you have to choose to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that again it feeds into that bit of your control. You're taking control there, or but it's in a controlled way that then allows you to expose yourself to whatever it is, Absolutely. knowing that at the end of it you're going to be, uh, or after the end yeah. of it you are safe, mm -hmm. um, which is the you know ultimately underlying 
problem of not being safe or yeah. you know something and just what they've had to overcome to get to that point is quite a lot so if you go right i'm going to do this i'm going to you know rather than if you've been plonked and you just activated straight away it's like okay you've, you're mentally preparing just for that moment mm -hmm. aren't you so yeah mm -hmm. definitely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. As we said, Brian, I read, and I really do feel this now as well. We could talk about this for hours. Thank you so much for coming in, Nick. It's been a real, real pleasure to chat with you this afternoon. I hope um, it's made sense. I didn't watch it. It's no, been made lots of sense. Yeah, it's been uh, really enjoyable. It's been fantastic. Just before we come to the end of uh, of the episode, can I just ask you if you could give us a bit of a maybe a bit of a summary or a bit of a, of a an overview shall we say of when do you think a person should seek support mm -hmm. if they feel maybe if listeners to this this podcast or you know in general when do you yeah. feel as somebody who maybe feels like i struggle with ocd or what you've described today mm -hmm. yeah i experienced mm -hmm. that sort of thing when would be a, a time for them to say yeah right i need to go and actually look at this is there a time i think i think if if it, the 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 OCD, the D, is the disorder. If it's disordering your life, if it's making your life disordered, it's making you kind of feel as so though you're not able to manage things, then definitely to get help. But I mean, things like going on to OCD UK is a really, really good website on there. There's got so many, so much clinical advice as well as um, there's a forum. I'm a member of the forum. You know, you, you can have a pseudonym, you can choose a pseudonym so it doesn't have to be your own name. So you can say, you know I've got this intrusive well, whatever it is you don't have to uh, it doesn't have to be your name you're anonymous but also you can be a member and you can look at other people's experience on the forum and there's lots of really good information on there I would definitely definitely say that just get some books on 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 your um, specialty your 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 obsession um, just get some books or, or look on YouTube there's some brilliant um, videos on YouTube, not necessarily for treatments, but just to explain that this is a thing. That Because mm -hmm. the isolation and the shame that people feel with having this is part of what keeps it going, you know. Yeah. That yeah. So it's to normalise it and it's to know that it's okay to have um, have these thoughts, obsessions, compulsions. Um, it's just about to make your life easier, to yeah. maybe learn how to to change them and yeah. I think you mentioned the word recovery before yeah. to sort of re re recover from, from that and that there's hope yeah, that there is there hope. is treatment out there you know and there's hope yeah. yeah I think that's a really powerful thing you've Definitely. just shared Nick that Definitely. it can feel like a very lonely place absolutely you know, yeah. if you're really struggling so yeah, yeah definitely there is hope and there's there is support out there and, and I think you know like Mark's just said it's such a big subject that you know probably a part two would probably be, be really good if you're willing to come and a chat to us again um, but is there anything that you want to mention is there anything that you want to say that that we haven't asked you or you haven't said or no i think um therapy is not the only choice as, as well you know mm -hmm. if what what we started to talk about earlier on is the intrusive thought or odd thoughts is something we all have yeah. but just just it's this idea of people who who struggle with anxiety or uncertainty who take the ball and run with it you know so it's about trying to keep it in check, to do the things, to understand it. There's so much out there, just research what you need. And then if you do need to go to therapy, choose the right therapist, somebody that 
really knows what they're talking about because if you're saying something that if you kind of you know really exposing yourself and making yourself so vulnerable you need to have somebody who, who really knows yeah definitely definitely yeah. Yeah. that's all i would say yeah, yeah definitely yeah. so just before we finish mm-hmm. um we've been asking each of our our guests nick to um essentially get brian and i working so to set us a bit of a weekly task that is around should we say self-care maybe or just th- um, something that we might use in a therapy session um, just for Brian and I to go away and we'll work on for this week and then we're gonna we're gonna share with the listeners and re- reflect back in our in our next episode mm. um, so sorry to put you on the spot but okay. is there is there anything you could maybe ask us that we could do and try out for a week and see how it works yeah. for us so I guess for, for both individually to maybe think about something that you don't like to do or that you do that is has got to be a certain way, you know. I'm just thinking about, um, and we're, we're talking about low level here. We're mm-hmm. not really talking about something that you need to really, really worry about. But something okay. that, so like for me, uh, my husband puts the washing out on the line and it doesn't do it the right way, so I have to come to okay. redo it, <laughs> um, uh, and things like that. So you know, it's about that thing that you don't like is to just. To, to leave it or to do it that way yourself so for example put washing on skew if yourself mm. if you have to do something like shut the door you know to, to to take a small risk and do it a different way or if you've got a habit that doesn't make sense yeah, so yeah, to do yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. so because the Ooh, idea this would be a good exercise for us <laughs> to do this well, intriguing yeah. so mm. for, for example what the one that comes to my mind straight yeah. away which you know like you said was a low level is um I probably have a habit or that um, where I like the volume to be on an even number. Oh, do um, yeah. mm. the, the, the TV. Mm. Um, it's just I something do that. that. I do. I really? promise yeah. you that I do that as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So is what in the example you're given is if I like to have it on an even number yeah. to maybe put it on an odd number and leave it. Yeah. And then see how I feel. Yeah. Definitely. Then sit, then sit with that feeling. Sit with that feeling and, and do it on purpose and just do be aware of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds. Uh, I'd probably try and come up with a different one to that, but I I definitely do that as well. Oh God, we were meant to be you and me, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering because the other one that I have is um, I'm not sure where it comes from, but I like to count. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting here in, in like the therapy shed and you, you look at the ceiling, I've got mm-hmm. all the slats. I'll often sit here and I'll count them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't. I, I have to finish it. Yeah, and that's the thing, you have to finish it. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe leave it halfway. Yeah, okay. See how it feels. So you can have three more, three more console yeah, volume. I might do, you know. I'll, I'll that's going to be a I'll challenge, though. I might do both. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for that, Nick. I enjoyed that, really enjoyed that. Um, and I think, um, yeah, definitely probably a part two might be might be good um, if we can arrange it to come in and maybe we'll delve a little bit deeper and uh, maybe have some more examples and get into the subtypes as well would be good Um, that would be fantastic but thank you so much for coming in Nick it's been a real pleasure it's been incredibly um, enlightening you know it's been great to listen to you so um, I hope you've enjoyed it as well I have I really have I was quite nervous but you put me at ease it's really nice to be a bit hot now (laughs) but other than that yeah I'm okay yeah Yeah, really great and I do love listening to the therapy show I really do love it it's doing a great job thank you oh thank you very much very kind and I think on that note, that's a, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Good. Good. Enjoy that. <laughs>
You okay? Yeah. I hope it's not just waffle. That's all I felt like. I was just sometimes you lose it, don't you? Halfway through, I don't know about you. I do. I was just kind of lose the train of thoughts and then I go waffle more. No, you're just you're just getting into that conversation, don't you? Yeah. It's so easy.